Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and it's a long overdue welcome return. The uh, the effervescent half of Space Spinner 2000, Fox, you're back in the book club. <laughs> yes, yes, everyone, applause. Applause. <laughs> Champion the Wonder Horse is in the book club. Oh my god! No, I do. Yeah. I do like that uh, that moniker. Um, no, man. I uh, it's been so long, and uh, I, the last time we spoke, I was uh, living in a hotel in Berlin, having just gotten there. Um, and yeah, it's been quite a while. It's uh, it's lovely to see you again. I seem to remember we had problems with the internet because there was a royal wedding going on that day when we talked about ant wars. Oh. <laughs> That's right. And the the wedding, well, there's been a few problems there since, but hopefully the connection will be better this time. And yeah, actually, we're only yeah. just down the road from each other because you're now in the UK. Yeah, it's lovely, man. I, I'll tell you, um, Cambridge is a little pricey, but it it's really, it's so nice um, to just like walk around the area, not have to speak German. Um just it's it's a very it's a very different yet very similar feeling right because right. as a as an english speaker but uh you got a beautiful country here Eamon. beautiful yeah. country fantastic and of course now that we can welcome you to the uk we can welcome you to the 2000 ad eastern contingent fan group when that finally yeah. gets to meet again in a pub in cambridge usually so uh yeah i'm looking oh, forward man. to it fox god i can't wait I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't normally drink, of course. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Apart from when you're doing uh, a marathon bro- a podcast with Conrad. Oh, my God. Uh, that happened. I, it's such a fever dream, that whole tornado business. Or Star-Lord, excuse me. Um, as you can see, already, already just uh, feverish. <laughs> um, man, that was... I don't. I don't know if we're ever going to do that again. I. I. I know we are. I just don't know in what capacity or in what shape we'll be, because I'll. I'll be another year older after that. You know. Well, well, let's just mention that now. Um, you did a twenty-four hour Star Lordathon with Conrad on Space Spinner two thousand, where you read the entirety of Star Lord, uh, and you podcast nonstop, more or less, <laughs> for twenty-four hours. Um, it- it was a choice we made. Yeah, that's yes, true. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't so here's the thing, is like you start with all this spry energy, you hit your second wind at about, you know, God, I don't know, maybe it was six hours in or something. I, I mean, near the end of it, what I felt bad about is that, you know, we had we had people coming on as guests, and I'm just so low energy, like, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I all of my life is currently Star Lord, who is a war criminal, um, a Star yes. War criminal, like quite literally, uh, like you know Star Lord twenty twelve, like paint paint his face all over the town. Um, but yeah, it, I see the thing is I feel like we've got to book people in early but not late, and that's kind of difficult to do. Let's find time spots for everybody. Um, that's my suggestion to anyone doing something 24 hours, either that or have everyone backloaded so they can do the heavy lifting. (laughs) 
So I was a guest on hour seven, I think. Yes. And I got that feeling like when you run a marathon and people, you get to about mile seven and the sort of fun run enthusiasm has worn off and everybody's time <laughs> to think, oh, it's a long way to go. Oh, God. I, oh, man, that was, that's only a quarter of the way through. My God. I know. Oh. It, see, and just like thinking about it makes me somewhat sick because I like, I had, at the start of the night, or it was kind of evening time for me, I think, something like that. Or maybe it was morning. God, I can't remember. But I had been intermittently, it's like coffee, tea, coffee, tea, coffee, tea, water. And then, you know, okay, it's time for me to let loose a little bit, have a drink. And then, like, sobering up from that, and then having more coffee again, and that not working. And, yeah, I probably wasn't great for my health now that I think about it. (laughs) Well, let's turn to a slightly shorter and easier project for you then, Fox. I, no, this is I can't wait. last time we did Ant Wars, and of course <sighs> we've chosen a book that you've covered on Space Spinner Two Thousand. Tell us what we're talking about today. Oh, we're talking about Skiz, baby, the most emotional roller coaster that uh, I didn't forget about, but had to like re-engage with. I love this thing, man. Oh, I love Skiz. So this... fantastic! We're going to talk about the first book of Skiz from Progs three hundred eight to three thirty, nineteen eighty three. Alan Moore, Jim Bakey, lettered by Tony Jacob and Steve McManus, was the editor at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Fox, start us off for anyone who hasn't had the great pleasure of reading Skiz or listening to Space Spinner two thousands recap of it. What's the basic outline for us? Man, I so I made it's like a twenty-four point outline that I'm going to skim through in order to for for clarity's sake, right? So we have a nervous space interpreter that's trying to get to an ore discussion on some other planet and tries to take a shortcut and fails, lodges itself on our tiny pale dot, and uh, you know it has this hilarious exchange with their computer. Which then says we're going to blow, you know, listen, we've got to blow up. He gets out of there, meets a wonderful girl named Roxy, along along with problems figuring out what to eat. Um, quite literally, like, m- muesli being something that it can't, which I understand. <laughs> um, and we're introduced to this villain named Van Owen, who's very much this, you know, um, uh, why am I forgetting that that guy's name? Uh, well, anyway, he's he's you know got this German accent, and he's already on the hunt for these people. We very quickly meet the, our follow-up lovable characters, Laz and Cornelius, um, who has his pride, of course, as we know. Um, but you know, it, we get into this second act where Skiz starts getting ill because hey, you know, son of freaking alien planet, you've always got this like constant Van Owen chasing them. There is interrogation. There's forced in like learning of English. There is father daughter abuse. There is, uh, um, you know, riling up pool house wannabe revolutionaries in order to make a like over the top plague rat escape. Um, and and eventually <laughs> to the point where you dress up as doctors. Swipe skiz and replace it for a kangaroo plushie, and just the ramp up into the end of the third act being like the most amazing amount of people. Like, again, and uh, the line, and Birmingham came running. Fantastic. Being so impactful. 
to the point where you see this Van Owen guy very clearly the 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 most incarnate of of oppressive government parental evil shooting at characters you love as a spaceship rescues uh skiz and there's just this heart heart-rending moment of just everybody saying goodbye it, it that's that's me skipping over obviously a lot even it is one of the most beautiful stories that i have read within the pages of a comic book so I was going to ask you why you picked it, but I could tell, as you say, one of the most beautiful things you've encountered so far on Space Spinner. Yeah. I mean, because, it, it, like, it, again, you know, I've got my pride, but I, <laughs> but I, I mean, I cry at the end of every, like, the first time I read this, the second time I had to reread it, and now, uh, like, I, like, I tear up at the end of this book, you know, Um it and gets it, it's, me every time as well. Yeah, it's a testament to the writing. It's a testament to the art. Like, all of these things in confluence. Um, and it really transcends the fact that it's in 19... <clears throat> excuse me, 1983, right? Where, you know, at least if I remember, there there was some kind of dodgy stuff going through the pages, but we're also entering into the Golden Age. Um, and And comparative to, like, say, the stuff you were reading in the 1970s, this just like completely kicks down the door um i love this book <laughs> it's fantastic well i'm going to ask you about the great characters in a moment but let's just do a little bit of backstory as to how it came about because obviously uh et steven spielberg's et was released in december 1982 mm-hmm. And as far as I understand, I think this story was pitched and mostly written before then. But, of course, it comes out after the film. Yeah. And I think, again, 2000 AD, doing that thing of, you know, what's on the horizon? What films are coming up that are going to be big? Um, I mean, they, it, they even they, – they, what I find interesting, because this is like the turning point because it came right at the right time. So I think it was a couple progs in. They specifically are like, uh, you know, oh, this reminds me of that one movie because they had already said um, um, Close Encounters and all of that. But then they're like, it reminds me of E.T. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're you're like maybe at the same time they were writing it, the movie might have come out or, or something to that effect. But they were self-referential of it, if that makes sense, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I, the other thing was, um, you know, taking the idea of an alien and a sort of interaction with a human person, but putting it in Birmingham or, you know, Birmingham, as Skiz refers to it, um, <laughs> which at the time was, I guess, still is. It's almost, it's almost Rust Belt in sort of post-industrial oh, landscape. Um, and there's a sort of... There's that element of the joblessness, you know, Thatcher's yeah. Britain and Cornelius, as you say, this great character who's lost his job and it's um, it's done something to him. Yeah, no, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's like we're surrounded with, uh, you know, Roxy being this punk kind of character, right? Especially in the yeah. music that she listens to. Um, and then you have this other side where the people that she's hanging out with are friends of her dad's. Her dad who is, you know well-dressed, well-mannered, but his friends aren't because they're working-class people, right? Still from the same place. And you really do... I mean, Van Owen is that kind of obvious extreme the way that, say, like, Laws and Cornelius are an extreme. 
if that if that makes sense okay? yeah. you feel the class divide which you know i i had not immediately thought about on reading right yeah but it is very clear and i think those undertones i, I mean you know again having some context on birmingham that really helps and had you come across uh the the sort of social realist um playwright and screenwriter alan bleasdale at all fox i have not so this was a series he wrote a play um he did very social realist tv dramas and he'd written a play called the black stuff um oh interesting uh which was about i saw your notes i looked up yasser hughes by the way Right. Okay. So then he does these series of um, sort of like single stories about the characters from the original TV play called The Boys mm-hmm. from the Black Stuff. And Yoza ah, Hughes, ah, ah. who was played by Bernard Hill, who you probably know as Theoden, King Theoden in the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings films. Yes. Um, so he was, he was a bit of a Cornelius character. Uh, you know, unemployment had... Um, uh, given him, I suppose, a mental health crisis and his sort of catchphrase, gives a job, that uh, he would go around talking to people, trying to get them to give him a job. And he was wow. quite, you know, they were all very hard-hitting emotional episodes. Oh, and, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah, and Alan Moore, I, th- I know Alan Moore has sort of commented that, you know, he was very directly influenced by that when he was writing characters like Laws and, of course, Cornelius. Oh, that's wonderful. Art influencing art, man. Yeah, it's great stuff. And of course, as you said, we've got great characters. Loz, who's got, you know, is cool and has got style. Yeah, Cornelius, I mean, he's this... very clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cornelius, this unemployed pipe fitter, who's um, only in, you know, his only reaction to encountering an alien from another planet is, are there any jobs up there? You know? Yeah, <laughs> do, they, do have... they have pipe fitting in space? Exactly. Do you need pipe fitters? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know. great. Like I mean, it also it also is somewhat sad, right? Because he's he's treated as dim, but he's also the heart of the whole thing. Yeah. Um. And you know, he he doesn't care where you're from. He's like, I need work. Yes. Yeah. And it's quite interesting that most of the people, even some of the police officers who know Cornelius, yeah. they know him, and they know this was a good guy who's been who's had a breakdown because of you know his uh, circumstances and lack of a job and they treat him very kindly but for the most part um you know the I pub mean, landlady the end especially that's when that's yeah. like the, that's when like the you know sort of the wheel turns and that's when van owen even his own people go against him it's like you messed yeah. with cornelius that's our people That's our people. That's Birmingham. Yes, you can't mess with us. It's fantastic. And the other thing you mentioned, uh, before we get to Roxy, you mentioned her father. And every time I read it, I've sort of forgotten about the father, who's actually, he's, you know, it's, as you say, it's an abusive relationship in a way. Well, Um, I think it's uh, it's definitely, that that whole picture is meant to shock. And it does. Because I don't think that anybody, you know, wants to wants to strike anybody i don't think anybody wakes up in the morning mostly thinks i'm gonna go hit somebody especially not my daughter but it gives you it it is meant to show this divide and especially if you look at how he's dressed really nice cardigan slacks you know kind of the clearly has a job clearly middle class right um and you know that to me especially when i you know coming in with this mindset coming in with you know us having this conversation i was like oh that's really interesting especially because he even though he was somewhat of the heel turns right he he switches sides uh because of laws 
Yes, Loz, it's Loz who sort of, you know, convinces him and talks to him about his daughter and says, you know, yeah, it, it's astonishing, actually. Again, you get that nice reversal and these wonderful character developments in this, you know, as we've talked many a time, 2000 AD, a sort of cheap, disposable comic medium. But yeah, it's it's amazing writing, oh, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's I think it's what constantly elevates it, especially during this time period, right? It's It's sort of the renaissance of like the of the comic itself because it you know uh, there I, listen i've i've read quite a bit of this there's some cheap and disposable bits within the pages yes um but there there's also nuggets of gold and that's part of you know again what we do on the on the podcast right we're sieving we're hoping for just like even one fleck of something that's like potentially like oh this is you know you got to elevate this skiz doesn't need any help yeah <laughs> but yeah no this is the good stuff man and of course, Alan Moore, famous for creating Halo Jones for the prog, but also Roxy oh, yeah. O'Rourke, a 15 year old Birmingham schoolgirl, with her sort of, as you say, her, her, mu- her taste in music, but her no nonsense approach to, to life. Oh, again, um, someone's hit, like telling her to come downstairs uh, and hang out with him at night because his parents are away. And she's like, what the hell do you think? I'm just like a cheap trick, basically. Yeah, um, and then punching a kid in the gut for <laughs> saying Spreading that they went rumors out. about her. Yeah, yeah, she's no nonsense. I love it. Like you, you really get the sense that like she cares, but she's also not to be messed with. Yeah, and I think you know, um, and this was before Halo Jones. I think uh, Alan Moore put in a very strong. I mean, I know it's a sort of cliche to talk about strong female roles in comics, but you know, putting a very sort of forceful and strong personality. And again, it's just his great writing and it beautifully is. illustrated by Jim Jim Bakey as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think you know, again, that the mark of a good writer is is there's so many ways to do it, but. It's someone of the opposite sex writing for the opposite sex, right? And nailing it. Um, I think that, again, it, it, him putting himself in that position and saying, like, well, women aren't weak. Women can be as strong as anybody else, right? Um, I think is, is so crux to the whole thing while also having that emotional core, right? I care about this alien, so it's yeah. I don't know. Roxy, Roxy's got a lot of a lot of layers, and I like she's even. You see this. She's like going out to a bar in a pool hall and she's like, you can't tell my father I'm here because it's all, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. Or, or you know, when she enters the pool hall saying, hey, your kids can't be in here. And Laz being like, hey, she's with me, right? She she is very cognizant of like, or not wanting to be out late at night, not having seen her city at night kind of thing. Yeah. It, it was a very interesting kind of turn because she's still 15, right? Yes. She's concerned about these things. It, it was good writing, man. Great writing. And as I mean, you mentioned uh, the problem of trying to find Skiz food that he can digest and not throw up immediately, <laughs> and you know the yeah. problems with muesli and everything else. And I think it's baby food that they settle on in the end. And of course, you get that moment of Roxy in a re- in a supermarket buying baby food, and the little sort of almost judgmental moments from the cashier. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's because you know she's she's offhandedly answering questions because she's just trying to get the hell out of there. And it sounds yeah. like, oh, you know, I don't even know the sex of the baby, basically. But she's not really saying that. Um, she's saying, I, I don't know what this alien is, basically. And just, yeah, you know, oh, kids today, um, you know, and, and like a, an eye roll. You're right. 
And of course, they do the as the story progresses, as you've said, um, it's fairly early on actually that Skiz gets taken by the authorities, mm. taken by Van Owen, and um, I think because Laws thinks he's doing the right thing by informing the authorities yeah, no, um, and helping out and then realising later on it's not, you know, he's done the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. That was that, that kind of E.T. comment where he's like, hey, you know, they worried about him and wanted to send him back and like help, we're trying to help him get better. Um, I mean, that's Laws is not an evil person. He wasn't trying to do any harm. I mean, that's also the same scene where he's like, hey, you know, don't don't go jostling my buddy Cornelius. And then he throws people through the window. Right? <laughs> yes. yes, that's so, right. Now, let me like, speak Laz to him. Oh, no, too late. Yeah. yeah, no, Laz is always trying to do the right thing um, and trying to protect people. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is it is interesting because I, I don't remember that happening as quickly in the comics. But that was also, you know, I'm, you know, just reading a month at a time in these chunks probably kind of delayed that reaction but you are right it happened really early really yes and then of course you get that middle section where roxy and skiz are apart and uh she's dealing with the rumors that have gone around about her and the stories and skiz is being what trying you know they're analyzing him teaching him english uh, yeah you know, trying to find out what he knows. Van Owen, I suppose we should mention a oh, 2000 yeah. AD villain. Van Owen is a great villain um, Top with class. his accent. Yes, absolutely. Um, like it, you you oh, need a good I, one, uh, don't you? Um, Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. That's who he reminded me of. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> just just the, the from the accent to like kind of the look. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it it's interesting because it's, it's slated as like, hey, we're going to teach him English. And the whole purpose is so that, you know, we can start asking him questions. And they even like, you know, Skiz even calls it out like, you're only trying to take off my clothes to humiliate me. Like, I can hear it in your voice. Like, this isn't even about information. And I'm trying to tell you right now, don't do that. Man gets fried to death and, you know. Um, but it, it's interesting because the only thing that ends up shaking him is the star snuffer. When he brings that up. Yes. Yes. That uh, the technology that Skiz uh, and his, his his race have. Yeah. Mm. And then Van Owen is even, is sort of like visibly shaken by it, isn't he? Yes. And uh, yeah, uses it like, for. Oh, sorry, please. No, I was going to say, uses it to, you know, um, as further evidence that he has to dispose or end this alien threat as he perceives it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's this, it, and, you know, just kind of representing the government or the man, right? Yeah. Um, not listening to anything that anybody is saying and just making um, assumptions about what the situation is, right? Like that, at least for me, it's it's sort of this... I don't care what you have to say. You're wrong. I'm the most informed person in the room. Um, and I have decided that you are bad. What I am doing is good. And we need, to, you know, it's it's just this sort of disregard for any sort of discourse or logic, you know? Yeah. And, and constantly I, looking over your shoulder, right? Like everybody's an enemy um, except us. And a huge miscalculation that he makes at the, in the final act, as you've said, when he sort of... Uh, completely gets it wrong with the crowds that have gathered for the oh, yeah. denouement. Yeah. 
Uh, and as you say, the crowds, Loz has motivated the pool hall gang to come out and all of Birmingham comes running. Um, it oh, is a fantastic man. moment. I still get goosebumps. I got like every time I read and Birmingham came running and like just the just the visual of it, like I just get goosebumps. So when you talked about Ant Wars... Uh, when you were on the book club, we, we mm-hmm. described it. I think you memorably called it schlock, but grade A schlock. Yes. Um, this, <laughs> this, and this, what would you say about the writing of Skiz, about this particular story from the early oh, days of the prog? I mean, where's the movie? Yeah. You know? Like, where's where's my Steven Spielberg adaptation of Skiz? Not Steven Spielberg now, I guess, because he's just doing memoirs and Warhorse and all of that kind. But, you know... If not E.T., I feel like this, right? I, he Well, I guess it is It is English. So you, you sort of need you need a director from the U.K. that sort of understands the nuances of these things. But I could have seen this getting made. I, this is, to me, top quality writing and character engagement. Mind you, Jim Bakey also doing a lot of that emotional lifting through his art. And I think they play off of each other so well because... There, because I I complain about this a lot. Give give the art space to actually showcase what you're putting through, and use the words to emphasize. So right, fantastic. Um, so let's talk about Jim Bakey's black and white artwork. Uh, you're into the '90s now, of course, and 2000 AD is mm-hmm. becoming much more colorful on Space Spinner 2000. What about you know going back to these early days when it was mostly black and white, and in particular this Jim Bakey artwork for Skiz mm-hmm. and the characters we've talked about? So I mean, I'll I'll bring up two comics that uh, that I think are, kind of give me that credibility, which is right now currently Brigand Doom, right, all black and white, perfect, uh, and then Mach Zero. Oh yeah, there there are I believe comics that black and white it services the comic very very much if you understand what you're doing skiz has some coloring right like very very rarely and now we're, we're actually getting into you know the second the second run of skiz but frankly like it didn't bother me i don't know if it would have elevated the work at all right um certainly you know I like I can't name something that I there's probably some kind of, you know, French auteur movie that I would I would cite at this point saying like, oh, it's better in black and white in this case. Right. But I I don't feel that it suffers from black and white and I don't feel like it would be elevated with color. I think that it would be accented. Right. Yeah. Um, the color pages that they do have within Skiz are fundamental and I yes. think punctuating. And it's when the alien ship arrives. And it is Mwah, Chef's Kiss. Because <laughs> that's the moment that you wanna that you wanna be like, and then color, right? Because everything else, it's like he's in this black and white world. He's in this terrifying kind of world. At least that's the way that I looked at it. I obviously not purposeful, um, given the condition of the comic. I mean, what was your take on that? Like, I'm very interested because it's, you know, you've read quite a few of the classics. I don't think the black and white necessarily hurts things. No, not at all. I mean, I love Jim Bakey's black and white artwork on this. Mm -hmm. Um, It is fabulous. Great look for Skiz. Great look for all the characters. Um, Instantly recognizable. You don't get any sort of problem of, you know, knowing who they are. 
Um, clearly defined characteristics. Cornelius always wore a plaster on his forehead, a Band-Aid. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I think it's fantastic. I do love the fact that we do get those two, that double page spread where they must have given um, Skiz the sort of center pages mm-hmm. for the big splash of the alien spaceship arriving um, in yeah. the final act. So that is great. But, I, you know, yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm very happy with black and white art. And Mac 1, we did that... Not all that long ago, I had Cornelius. Oh um, uh, yeah, Cornelius had Conrad on talking about Mac One. <laughs> so, yeah, he has a spread. It is lovely. Jim Bakey's artwork, great stuff. And um, we should mention, of course, there were two more Skiz uh, stories later on in the prog, um, both mm. written uh, and drawn by Jim Bakey. Alan Moore, of course, had walked away by this stage. Now. I know that, in fact, I think the week after this episode of the book club comes out, you will be starting Skiz 2 on Space Spin 2000. So I so, guess you're probably there already, are you? Yeah, so I, I want to say that the last recording we had, um, we just started, which, you know, there's obviously an offset, but um, we just started Alien Cultures. Um, it is all in color, uh, which I, I don't particularly mind. Right, um, but mostly we're focusing on on Skiz and Cornelius. Although Cornelius is the reveal um, at the end of of the episode, um, which I was very happy about. Yeah, he I like just just seeing all that again. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. We're not too deep into it, uh, but I do I do like the concept. Even though we never saw him eat yogurt in, <laughs> in Skiz one, like I love that. It's like, hey, you ate this yogurt. You, I mean, you basically have cultures in your stomach. We don't know what to do about this, right? Right. Um, we we need to we need to quarantine you. I think is a very interesting concept. Um, very great artwork. Still, still beautiful. And as uh, Skiz himself would say, flippy neck. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, flippy neck. I, uh, I I do like flippy neck. Um, no. it, I it, I'm surprised that. I wonder if that's still used. At least I don't remember it being used in uh, um, immediately at this point in alien cultures. Because like he gets a grasp of the English language, right? Yeah. So, uh, but that one not not really making it over is is I think quite quite endearing. Um, hey, you've read three alien cultures, I imagine. I have, yes. I haven't I haven't read them for, since they first came out, actually. But yes, mm. they are. I remember those. And of course, when, as you say, when Cornelius turns up, it is like an old friend returning. <sighs> I, I love that man. And I'm also glad that he's not completely, you know... I mean, he wasn't dead, I guess, prior, but, you know, he did get shot. <laughs> so. I'll come back to the artwork again in a moment. Mm. There's a, obviously, there's a book three to come for you in when you get to 1994, 95. You're in 1992 at the moment yep. on Space Spinner. So, but of course, as I said, Adam Moore's walked away from the prog by this time in 1992. So you've now read all of his 2000 AD stuff. You've read all the Future Shocks and oh, Time yeah. Twisters, DR and Quinch, Ballad of Halo Jones, and of course now Skiz. Where would you put Skiz in that sort of uh, in that sort of list of his great works? So if I yeah, if I if I were ranking these, um, so oh god, this is going to be rough. So where I put, um, at least for me first, is Ballad of Halo Jones. I for a lot of reasons, just the in terms of the weird horrible shit that happens to that poor girl 
Yeah, um, indeed. And just how it's handled. <laughs> um, second to that, and it's a close second, um, is Skiz. Just because it, Skiz itself, it's so great. Um, but again, a close, a close second to third, right, is DR and Quinch. Not because, like, really, I think DR and Quinch, at least the suffering for that is the space in between. They were very much an accent mark, uh, like a beautiful brush stroke on a lot of the prog. Um, I, I mean, I still love Mind the Oranges, Marlon. Like, um, of course. Yes. Yeah, it's just they, they were endearing without being um overbearing which is i think like because they were kind of kind of mascot characters right um in a way um you know god i miss them i i really feel like you can't have them without alan moore although i guess alan from what i recall alan moore disavowed dr and quinch in some facet which i think he did yes yeah Uh, because to me and again the reason that this is bottom Future Shocks and Time Twisters, while these are some of the better ones, um, but like most things of its ilk, I have a hard time particularly recalling any per- like specific one. Um, and I have a loving disdain for Future Shocks, Time Twisters, all of this, right? <laughs> Where they they are a thing that happens and I like have to read them. And that's fine. Uh, yes. Alan Moore, I remember, did some particularly pithy ones. But it was also like, I appreciate you wasting my time. I would like to move on to something with continuity, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, it's just okay. like his his definitely, if I remember correctly, always had, you know, very dark um, kind of artwork being done and very um, almost rhythmic writing, which was uh, fine. But again, like when you're when you're putting those up against three of my favorite comics within this whole thing, that's where I'd rank them. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I ought to have Conrad's air horns in here when we mention future shocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, there we are. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, I I would agree. I mean, Halo Jones and Skiz are pretty near, near the top. Um, yeah. And then yes, the others. But yeah, that's just fantastic. And now you mentioned a film adaptation of Skiz recently. We've just had from 2000 AD and Penguin uh, the audiobook adaptation of oh. the Ballad of Halo Jones, and they've also really? done a couple of yeah, they've done a couple of Judge Dredd titles, and they've done Slain the Horn God and some Brink. I um, didn't know any of this. Do they do they get individual actors per character? Yes, they do. It's oh, that's cast. lovely. Oh, my God. I'm buying these. All oh, right. Well, there you are. You can find them. Google Play seems to be the cheapest place to buy them, but they're mm. out there. Um, so if you could have, um, you can't, say, have a Spielberg skiz film, how about an audiobook? Do you think it would work? So so uh, I feel like you and I have talked about this before, but I, like, I'm a big fan of His Dark Materials. The, oh, right, the yeah. Um, their audiobook, which you can still buy on like, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Amazon bought them. Well, Audible. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Audible, Audible. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, they had entire cast, which for me, uh, as like a person, I'm like, I, I actually, I, I, if it's, if it's something where it's like, I'm the author and I'm reading this, you know, nonfiction book. Great. If you're a fiction author, 
and you're pulling what I what look I love Neil Gaiman but what I call pulling a Neil Gaiman where it's like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna be the voice of that and he has a very beautiful voice I'm like be an actor in it and let's let's get some other people to fill in some of those positions because it really is a radio play at that point right yeah and that's that's my big preference I would love to listen to that I love I love that kind of concept of um, voice actors coming together to to read a piece of media. Fantastic. So again, short answer, I guess, yes. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's have skiz. Let's have a full cast and get somebody cast as Cornelius. I'm Cornetius surprised they haven't Roxy. done it. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess, like you know, Slain is it might be a bigger deal at least more recently. But the, I don't think that skiz was bad. I feel like that's exactly who, what you want to kind of utilize, right? Yeah. Certainly, don't do Ant Wars until you've done Skiz. <laughs> oh no, God, I think Ant we're... Wars! I love that. Uh, <laughs> so let's turn you back to the art, uh, Fox, and play the sure. Grail Page game. There was one cover, Prog Three Hundred Eight, the uh, launch cover. There's a star scan or star pinup in the back of my yep. trade. And then, of course, there's all the artwork for the first book of Skiz. What would you pick to hang on your wall if you could have some? Man, see, this is the thing. So, I, you know, I'm a talkative fella. I've got six, right? Go for it. Um, and they are all pages or they are panels, right? Right. So, um, Prog 314, page 28, the scene of Laws being shown skiz dying by Roxy, specifically because Cornelius is staring at bird wallpaper. Right. So the, it, it's for me, it's the contrast because the writing usually does a lot of the heavy lifting of the comedy with the somberness that's going on in it. But this is very visible, like death, hilarious, right? Um, you know, it's kind of the Alan Moore's trade, at least for me in, in skiz is like, he is very funny. And the art is very funny. And then you have this serious problem in front of you, right? Um, second to that is, is 318, page 25. It is specifically the parental abuse scene because I, right. I feel that it is very intense and one that drives home Roxy's alienation, right? She can't, she can't go to the government. Like her friends have kind of failed not even her parents really give a shit. Uh, excuse my language. Don't really care. Um, and and she's she walks out of the house without any words. It's very. It's a great scene. Three nineteen, page twenty three, is the tirade from Cornelius. I'm not a working bloke. I haven't had a job for you know eight months. Right, like just him yelling at these reporters. I think that's a very great scene because we finally get to see Cornelius erupt because of his problems. Um, Three twenty-seven, page twenty-eight, and Birmingham came running like that. Just seeing the city light up, seeing everybody just come out to town. Um, Prague three twenty-eight, page twenty-six. Uh, specifically, a wrench erupts from a car, and then Cornelius erupts from the wrench. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> like, yes, I did. Like yeah. him just yeah. punching through and just madmanning in. And then, okay, so all of those were just reasonable mentions. I, I, The grail page for me, it's 329 pages 14 through 15, a full color mothership to the rescue image. It is the most emotional payoff image there. You see Van Owen with the gun, Skiz being kind of taken care of by Roxy, right? Cornelius has been shot. Um and there is a a direct light like shining on them. It's hope. 
um, yeah, it's to me, it's it's it, those two pages encapsulate so much of of what makes me cry every time. <laughs> so that was fairly long winded, Eamon. How about you? Well, I was I was very tempted, obviously, by the last page of Skiz Book One. Which, you know, uh, when he describes, obviously, the humans and he says some of them have their pride. Uh, mm. So some of them have styles, some oh, of them have yeah. their pride and some of them are stars. But I actually I oh, wanted yeah. a page with Roxy on it. Um, so I'm going to go back all the way to the end, I think, of the third prog, which is where Roxy discovers Skiz in the garden shed. Oh, and it's cute. It's that it's this lovely black and white, very sort of black inks from Jim Bakey. And then she looks at him and says, you're not from round here then. <laughs> and, and that's, I just love that page because it's got Skiz and it's got Roxy, their first meeting. So yeah, I think I'd take that one, Fox, if I could. Oh, it's adorable. I'm, you know, I, I recently just decorated my room with disc plates. Really great. Right. It is so hard to find anything from 2080 on there. Just, just saying to anybody who may want to uh, appropriate things into displate. That would be wonderful. So, yes, um, there we are. Some Grail pages, which I'll post on the socials when this episode comes out. And you can get a copy of the complete skiz, all three books. Uh, I've got the paperback, nineteen ninety nine from the 2000 AD store or nine ninety nine digital. Um, oh, you can go back and listen to Space Spinner 2000, cover it, uh, the first one, or jump on now for book two, Alien Cultures, I guess. Ooh, yeah. It's it's starting off pretty funny. I'm into it. Frozen Oceans, man. Fantastic. <laughs> so that'll take us, Fox, to guest projects. Uh, you are, as I said, you're in the high 700s of the progs now, 1992. Mm. As we say, Skiz 2 starting out the week after this episode comes out. What else is sort of grabbing your fancy on to the, um, in the prog at the moment? Oh, man. I, Brigand Doom is back in the weirdest possible way. It, yeah, he's sort of going through a voodoo transformation, as it were, which is, is a little strange, but very in line with where I want it to go. Hmm. I don't like trash. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, that's all I can remember at the, at the particular moment, because I'm excited for Skiz. I'm excited for Brigand Doom. Um, hmm. For some reason, I can't remember our last recorded episode, but that's well. As I as we record, I've just listened to you and Fox. Uh, I'm sorry, you and Conrad do Judgment on Gotham. Oh um, yeah, Bisley and Batman, and uh, yeah, that was rad. I want yes. more of that, right? Like, I man, I I love the idea of the Scarecrow taking and possessing ownership over death. Feels right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, as Conrad would say, Batman will return. <laughs> or at least rise. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And we've talked about the 24-hour Star Lord of Thorn, which yeah. you can go back to and listen to on Space Spinner 2000. Um, you've also got the uh, Patreon now. What happens on the Conrad and Fox question and answer sessions? Oh, God. Aimlessness. Uh, not aimlessness. <laughs> I, I'll say this much. It, it, we are very open Right. So it's actually it, it, we I love more Q&A questions on that. And, you know, it's it's definitely again, I think it's it's a very additive thing to what Conrad and I do. Um, 
so most of what we talk about is, you know, first we kick off with, hey, what are, what have we been doing recently, right? So what I've been up to in my personal life or what we've been enjoying or, or something that happened, um, we both kind of go at that. Mostly we talk about video games quite a bit because that's our shared pleasure. Um, I mean, you know, we're, we're very open on that, but we, we both worked in the game industry. Um, I still do. And then we go into very, uh, I mean, our Q&A is quite open. Like, I, I think like our longest recorded time on a particular question is, you know, easily 10, 15 minutes. But yeah, like we're, we're an open book on there. Again, if you, you know, feel free to subscribe. It is, I, you know, if you, if you want to get, you know, just an extra hour or two of us chit-chatting, but not necessarily about the progs. Um, it's, it's really a good way for me and Conrad to keep up and then also, you know, just uh, peek behind the curtain as it were. So as ever, go to spacespinner2000.com um, to find out all the details of the latest episodes, including Judgment on Gotham. Find out what they're talking about with uh, Alien Cultures, Skizbook yeah. 2. And yeah, go to the Patreon as well. I'll put all these links in the show notes. Oh, God. And it- Conrad's going to kick my ass for not plugging well. I, I don't plug very well. <laughs> Well, you don't need to, Fox, because, I mean, Space Spinner 2000 is just such a glorious project. Oh, I appreciate um, that, man. That's really sweet. Bringing, you know, bringing so much love and joy to those early years of the prog. And I, 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 I don't know a 2000 AD fan who doesn't love it um, for your enthusiasm and admiration I'd for these comics. I appreciate that, man. That's really, I, I, am, I am genuinely thankful. It's, it's been an honor to serve the community, you know. Well, it'll be an honour to welcome you to the uh, 2008 Eastern Contingent yes. when we get to a pub. I'm so um, excited. I am so excited. Yeah. When we're all vaccinated and hopefully back to be able to meet in places, mm. that'd be great. Um, fantastic. So, Fox, Skiz, a, a level up from Ant Wars, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> I, listen, I it's like... I, I could watch Skiz like at least a few times, you know, like over a couple of days. Ant Wars, it's like I'd watch it and be like, all right, fucking <laughs> got to get to the lead <laughs> scene seen it. and then yeah. fast forward. Oh, it is lovely, Skiz. And it does, yeah, it does break my heart each time when it gets to the end. It really um, does. I, it makes you emotional. I, it's, again, power of Alan Moore, man. Yeah. It was such great stuff. Uh, so, thank you very much, Fox, for giving up your time. I know we've had, I had to rearrange at short notice, nah. but thank you as ever. Yeah, this was beautiful, man. I, I love these, I love these talks. Um, you're always, you're such an engaging person to talk to about this. Again, much, much like Conrad, it's there are things that I just don't, I, I don't know. And the context helps. And just revisiting kind of these past joys is really something that I think Mega City Book Club does well. Um, do a bang-up job, man. This is this is Thank lovely. you, Fox. You're very kind. <laughs> Thank you. And as ever, as I say, do follow Fox and Conrad's adventures on Space Spinner 2000 uh, in your podcast app or on spacespinner2000.com. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the links at megacitybookclub.com. Follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2000AD forums. Or email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com, if you'd like to come on the show, pick a book, and come and talk about it. So until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and from Fox. Hey! Bye.